stepping into the next uh, part of our series uh, with uh, Headspace. And today we're actually going to be uh, diving in a little bit into the realm of conquering fear. Conquering fear. Anybody here ever dealt with fear? Anybody honest enough to say I've dealt with fear? Well, I can say, and uh, talking with uh, Pastor Kevin this week, this is a subject, man, we could, we could spend the whole series just dealing with this uh, because there's so many dynamics to it. But what I want you to get this morning uh, is that we get a, a basic overview and some very practical things that you can do in your life to be able to uh, conquer it. And I love the way that we have that written in there, that it's to conquer it. You, you don't have to accept it and manage it. You can overcome it and conquer it. And uh, this is one of, uh, say, Dr. Kevin's specialties um, uh, through KY Cards and the, the uh, center there that this is an area that he specializes in, and it's helping people get past this. And he's got a proven way to do it. Like, it's not a shot in the dark and hope this works, right? Um, so, but I will throw out a disclaimer um, for you, because I meant to do it last week. And that is, is he is a, a, a licensed clinical psychologist. So what you're hearing, amen, is coming from, if you will, a professional. Um, but I want to encourage you, if, if you are struggling with something that we're talking about, and, and I mean, on a much stronger level, then, then I encourage you, there's nothing wrong with reaching out and getting help, i.e., that's why he does what he does. Amen? And, and so I just think it's important. This is not meant to take the place if you really need uh, more help in, in any of these areas. Uh, but we want you to, as the body of Christ, every one of us can get stronger and grow better, especially in the day and the time in which we live where we're inundated with so many uncertainties, so many questions, so many things happening. And how do I deal with that without falling apart? And as a pastor, I'm seeing way too many people fall apart that shouldn't be following, you know, falling apart when it comes to the kingdom. I'm talking about Christians. Amen. We, as Christians, we already have leverage over those that aren't believers because we have the answer. Amen? Um, and so we want to lay that out. But I want you to understand today, we are going to just go through the overview of it and then give you some very practical things um, concerning uh, conquering fear in your life. So, Pastor Kevin, Dr. Kevin, you have anything you want to add before we open up? Did you all get anything out of last week? Amen? Well, good. Um, I guess the thing I would say is, you mean to go ahead and recap? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So just to reiterate, I think we'll say this each week, but what we established last week, if you weren't here, but it's a refresher if you were, is how the process of what, like Pastor Rob said, we're going to get into the spirit of fear, fear, what is fear, how do you confront fear, what even is fear, because most people don't even know what that is, actually. And remember, it all started in the garden. Amen? Like, it entered into the world at that moment. In fact, in the fallen world, that we live in, it all, anything that you see evil, anything, any sickness, any disease, anything like that that you see started then. Y'all see that? So that's important foundation as we move forward because, you know, I mentioned the term neuroticism last week, and I said that 
it's a trait. It's a way that we respond to things that many people who struggle with these fears and anxieties and disorders, if you will, they all struggle with those things because that's the tendency that they, in the fallen world, that they've had passed on to them. And in doing so, there's a mindset involved. So stick with that theme with the garden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 on, when we started questioning things, when we started you know, having uncertainty, when we started doubting God, when we started experiencing distress, like all of it started there. Y'all with me? Same page? All right, so we'll start there. That's good. So we're just going to jump right into it. So I guess the first thing is, is, uh, would be to answer the question, uh, what is fear? Uh, let's give them a definition of, of, so they know exactly what they're dealing with. You know, as Pastor Rob and I have talked about this throughout the weeks, plural weeks, I think this is a very important question because I think that, you know, we talked about last week how if we don't know a thing, we're going to keep struggling with it. If you don't know your enemy, you're going to keep struggling and he's going to keep deceiving you. Amen. So I think it's really important to understand that very basic, simple, but powerful concept of what is fear. And just to be clear, when we're talking about fear, fear as an emotional experience is normal. It's a normal experience. Well, what is it? Fear is your body's response to actual danger and threat. Anybody ever heard of fight or flight? Yeah. We're going to talk about this next time, just to give you a preview. But anxiety is not fight or flight, just to clarify, because most people say that. Fear is fight or flight. It's your body's response to something that is actually danger. If you're in a fire, fear will get you out of it. If somebody has a gun and they pull it out on you, fear is what your body will respond to to get you out of it. Your body is flooded with cortisol, a stress hormone, to get your organs to do what you need to do. Either I'm going to kill you or I'm going to get out of this situation. Are y'all with me? So fear in and of itself, the emotion of it is normal. Right? So y'all with us? Okay, so let's establish that part first, and then everything else I think will be good. So then here, let's just bring up real quick. Um, we talked about Second um, Timothy 1.7 scripture that most everybody's heard, you know, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. So let's kind of look at that real quick and help them understand some context around that. Yeah. So very powerful scripture. Most of y'all have seen this scripture for God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So it tells us right there that fear can be a spirit. I mean, that's what it says, right? Now, I think that as believers, we need to understand what it means to have a spirit of fear. We just established a definition of fear, and that's not what we're talking about here. A spirit of fear, and Pastor Rob didn't say, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I disagree with that. <laughs> so the definition that I gave that was based on last week is that, if you want to write this down, is a spirit of fear is thoughts, like constant thoughts, of not being able to control or predict present and future events, physical distress associated with that, and the idea that the outcome is not certain. And I want you to think about that. So it's the thought process, if I can't predict or control what's happening right now to me, what might happen in the future to me. Y'all seeing the spiritual parallel there, right? And physical distress about it, so my body's reacting to it, and on a regular basis, coupled with the uncertainty of the out outcome, which is interesting. 
Because the word of God tells us that we have a future and a hope and a expected end. Mm-hmm. Y'all see how that's the opposite of that? So that's my definition of a spirit of fear. So it's this idea that it's a mindset. So it's not just the emotion of fear. It's I'm in constant distress about things being dangerous that are not in fact dangerous. Y'all see that? So fear versus the spirit of fear. One is turmoil. One is a normal reaction to actual danger. Amen? All right. And we'll, we'll come back to that here in, in a couple other points to uh, further break that out just a little bit. But uh, he's already kind of spoken to it, but I want to make sure we get this understanding. And that is, um, you know, the Word of God talks about uh, that we should fear God. So, you know, you've got this two-sided part to fear because where the Bible says, do not fear, it's the same word where it says, fear God. So if you go and look it up, you're going to find it's the same exact word. So there's got to be some multiple dimensions here or some facets to this to help us understand that. And and I told uh, Pastor Kevin, part of wanting to address that is because I believe personally that there is a lack of fear towards God, and there is a greater fear towards the world. And it should be opposite, right? And, and so people, many live their lives, and they have no concept and no real fear of God, but it's not a, a fear of terror, right? It's not a fear of destruction. There's a different aspect to fear, and that is a reverential. It is an awe, and it, sh- it, it should produce some emotion it should produce some response, but it's going to be a little bit different. So healthy fear, right? And, and, and like you already spoke to it a little bit, but healthy fear, which is a reverence and awe or real danger, as you, as you said, versus the terror or no danger, you know, and, and living in fear over something that is not, not necessarily going to happen. So, but let's Real quick, I don't want to spend a lot of time, but break that out and helping them understand that healthy fear of God, healthy fear as far as our response in this world versus getting over into a place of being unhealthy. Yeah, and I think Pastor Rob did a good job of specifying that. When we talk about reverential fear, we're in awe of God, right? We know that God is the supreme. He's sovereign in the sense that he's supreme, highest ranking, etc. And knowing that, is the fear and awe of God versus what we just talked about, the normal emotional experience to danger. See, here's the thing. If you're in actual danger, rarely do we experience the fear response unless there's threat. But anybody ever heard of a panic attack? Until 1980, there was really no way. People didn't really understand how to separate it out. But believe it or not, write this down if you can. A panic attack is literally the manifestation of fear when there is no danger. Like, I think that somebody needs to hear that. That's good. So when we talk about panic, that is the fear response out of context. I call that a false alarm. If there's a fire, fear is a true alarm. Does that make sense? Panic is a false alarm. So I'm experiencing this unhealthy fear response, which we're going to talk more about, in, in situations that don't, in fact, present danger to me. But my brain tells me, right, remember the garden, my brain tells me that when I experience certain 
sensations in my body that I think are uncomfortable that signifies that something bad's going to happen, that creates the process of panic, which, by the way, somebody needs to hear this, you can eliminate panic attack, right? It's not something you just got to deal with. Like Pastor Rob said earlier, it's not about managing it. It's about getting rid of it. I tell my clients all the time, one of my mottos is panic isn't organic, meaning it's not <laughs> something good. you got to just live with. Yeah. Amen? That's good. But brother, you don't know. I've had it for decades. It doesn't matter how long you've had it. That has nothing to do with being able to get rid of it. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Amen? So I just want to put that out there because some people think this. Like, well, I've had it for 30 years. I treat people all the time who've had things for 30 years, and we treat it in six or seven sessions. Oh, that's good. And I, I think that goes along with the fact of, you know, when it opened up the series, talked about our mindset, as you said earlier, having the mind of Christ. It's about understanding and knowing the truth. That, that's, that, that's all it is. It's, it's not complicated. It is understanding, and as believers, it's actually getting a revelation of the truth. And once you get that, then the lie no longer works. You see what I'm saying? That the lie does not work in the presence of truth. It only works in the presence where there's an absence of truth. So as truth is being brought, then you have the capacity to stay in that truth and live free from whatever the lie is. Y'all following? So, um, having said that, one of the things I wanted to briefly touch on was, you mentioned it earlier about the spiritual impact upon fear, right? And, and without, you know, going deep into that, because uh, we just want to touch on it, that is that, um, you know, the Bible says, and you know the scripture, um, uh, it's over in 1 John 4, it says, perfect love removes all fear, right? Anybody heard that scripture? Perfect love removes all fear. So you say, well, if it removes all fear, then, you know, why do I need to fear God? Well, there's more to the story in that. Amen. And so there is a reverential side. The fear that it removes is the terror part. It removes the unhealthy part that we're not to, to, to be subject to that because as Pastor Kevin said, we have a certainty. Even in this life, even if you don't know what tomorrow may bring, you still have a certainty that you are loved. You see what I'm saying? And that you've got uh, God on your side and he will be there to help you through whatever you face and, and you still come out victoriously. So we have that certainty. Um, and then the other part, the Bible says that over in Romans 5, that the love of God is what? Poured out in our heart right? By the Holy Spirit. So as believers, having the love of God work in our life, uh, uh, we have that certainty. We have and know that love, not just from experience, but because the Holy Spirit actually dwells in you as a believer. And that love, if you will, has been poured out on the inside of you. So it's not you trying to get love so that you can walk without fear. It is understanding that the love's already there, and all you need to do is access it and understand the truth of it, right? And then I know you're going to touch on it later, and that is, is that fear has to be confronted with the truth. That, that's the answer to it, is confronting it with the truth. But there is, there is a spiritual impact, and the spirit of fear 
there is a spiritual side to it that you can open yourself up to. And, and we're not going to dive off into that, but I know that firsthand in my own life. Because as a child, I dealt with that. And it wasn't just a false alarm. It was actually a spiritual impact that once I got revelation and understanding, it helped bring freedom and allow me to say no, because the enemy is going to bombard your mind with what? Thoughts to try and trigger responses and get you and I, what? To live according to a lie instead of us being grounded in the truth right? So that, I want you to understand, I want to touch on that so that you understand that there is that aspect. But our goal today is to stay within the practical, if you will, of steps that we can take. So natural definition of fear. Let's just expound on that. So y'all follow me with the the whole idea of, of this natural response to actual danger, right? Okay. So you got, again, Understanding is so incredibly important. Knowledge is one thing. Understanding is another thing. So when we think about fear and the breakdown of it, we talked last week about any emotion you experience has three parts. Fear is no exception. It's really ironic, right, Pastor Rob, because we're a three-part being. Any emotion you have also has three parts, right? So you got to know those three parts in order to understand how to deal with it. You with me? So fear has three parts. It has thoughts of dread, terror, I'm in danger. Feelings are physical sensations. So your heart's racing, your heart's beating fast, sweating, shortness of breath, stomach distress. But here's the thing about that is that that arousal in your body when you're experiencing fear, none of those symptoms are dangerous. Let me repeat that. That's good. None of those symptoms are dangerous. Well, you don't understand. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I understand that. But you won't. The key here is that those sensations are all your body's way of trying to get you to prepare for threat. When people say my stomach hurts when I experience fear, Pastor Rob, it's only your digestion slowing down. It's the way you view it. I sweat when I have the fear response because if I get cut in a fight, I can't bleed to death. So you got to understand these things because when we know that, that takes the sting out of what you think is happening to you right now, knowing that God has given you a future, a hope, and an expected end. So there's the thoughts of dread, terror, danger, feelings of mobilizing the body to deal with threat. And here's the big one. Then there's the behavior. When people experience fear, there's two things that they want to do. They want to escape or they want to avoid. The whole point of fear is to deal with the threat or to get out of the fire or the threat right? But when people experience fear chronically, they're avoiding and escaping something that is not in fact dangerous. So you're hearing me. So it's this vicious cycle of experiencing fear, having thoughts that I'm in danger. My body is saying, you told me I'm in danger. So I'm telling, I'm, I'm, I'm revving you up because your body is subject to what you tell it. Right. And then I want to escape, which there's nothing to escape, but ultimately that's what fear is. All right. So you, you said something, and, and I, I think it's pretty, pretty plain, but um, fear, it starts with the thoughts. And I think that's really powerful. I mean, you know, we're, we're here talking to a, a psychologist, but it's important for you to understand it. It doesn't start with the physical. It doesn't start with the emotional. It starts with the thought. So 
I know you probably have a lot to Can say on that. that yeah. No, go ahead. Shout out to Bethany Sickles for this word I'm about to use. But <laughs> in some sense, it can't start with the physical, but my thought, because it's what I call bi-directional. In other words, okay. if I think about the physical a certain way, that's going to make me have more physical. Okay. And if I have more physical, I'm going to think about that a certain way, which makes me have more physical, <laughs> right? So it's this idea that the more I'm thinking I'm in danger, my body is saying, okay, you told me to get you ready for this fire. It speeds up those things okay. in your body because you're telling it to subconsciously. And then that's when you panic. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's touch on real quick, because you said it earlier, uh, and we will deal with this later. But let's touch on the difference between fear and anxiety. <laughs> uh oh. So we're gonna this is this this is important. So I think the word of God, just to be clear, uses those terms depending on the context interchangeably. Right? So we talk about fear, we talk about anxiety, and depending on the context, you know, either word is appropriate. But I think as believers it's important to separate out what the difference is, because most people Say I had an anxiety attack. And let me go ahead and say this. There's no such thing. What do you mean? That's called a panic attack. An anxiety attack actually isn't a thing. It's just how people call it. So just let me clarify. Right? But that's what everybody says. I know. Just don't say that. Okay? <laughs> so anxiety, which we'll talk about in another part of the series, is always a future-oriented emotion associated with threat or danger. Anxiety is never about the present moment. Let me repeat that. Anxiety is never about right now. It's about the future. You all with me? Fear is always about the present. That's a very simple explanation, but it's important. So when you say I'm anxious about something, because remember the word of God, I'm trying not to preach past the road. <laughs> no, no, I was going to ask you. So. <laughs> but the word of God separates did. out being anxious for nothing. It didn't say don't experience anxiety about something. It said don't be anxious. The difference is that being anxious is, again, that spirit of fear we talked about. It's a mindset of always being concerned about things that haven't even happened to you yet. You all with me on that? Whereas fear, again, is present danger in a fire and is adaptive. Anxiety is about the future. That's a very important point to disentangle. And that's why when we talk about like anxiety disorders, Fear and anxiety are both present in anxiety disorders. Anxiety is the thing that prepares you to be concerned about it. When you encounter it, fear is the response that happens when you encounter it. So present, future, there's a difference. All right. Oh, that's good. I was going to bring up that scripture, so you spoke to it. That's great. Um, all right. Well, let's get into, as we were uh, finishing up here, let's get into how do I conquer fear? What are the practical steps that I can take to be able to conquer that and overcome that in my life? Yeah, that's a good question, because I think that's what many people want to hear, right? Amen? So, number one, first of all, you got to recognize that the emotion of fear itself is harmless. And I think that's so incredibly important, because many times we assume that fear is dangerous. It's not. It's your body's reaction to actual danger or threat. It wouldn't be very adaptive if you were in a fire for you to pass out, would it? I want y'all to think about that. You're in a fire. Oh, right. That doesn't make sense. But I feel like I'm going to pass out. I understand. Lightheadedness is a symptom 
because your blood and oxygen are flowing from your head to your core so that you can deal with threat. That's why you feel like you're going to pass out. That's adaptive. You don't need that blood and oxygen here. You need it here, the strongest part of your body. Does that make sense? And that's so important. So recognizing that fear is harmless, right? So that's number one. Let me keep going. No, just go. Let's, let's okay. walk through it. And then number two, which we've already touched on this too, is that fear has three parts. And I think that's important. And we've said it already, but, I, but again, I think it's really important to know that fear has thoughts, physical sensations, or what most people call feelings, and then behavior. Always con- includes those three things. Don't forget that. That's the second thing. So just kind of normalizing all that. Number three, fear out of context is what we call panic. Knowing what panic attacks are. Panic attacks are fear out of context, period, right? So knowing that that's what that is and knowing that's not of God, but knowing because we live in a fallen world that many of us are susceptible to experience these things until we get revelation of what it is and how the Spirit's already inside of us to deal with that. Amen? So that's number. So before you move on from that, is it possible that people are experiencing, like I would never say I'm having a panic attack. Like I I wouldn't say that because I, I wouldn't believe that, but that doesn't mean that I've never walked through the symptoms, if you will. So speak to that real quickly for those that they may disconnect, say, well, I've never had a panic attack, you know, but, but what are the symptoms of that, you know, in their life? So they make sure that they may not use that terminology, but hey, this is what's happening and going on so that I know how to deal with it. Yeah, that's a good point, Pastor Rob. I'm glad you said that. So I guess the, the short version, and, and there's another, another nugget in that I want to briefly mention, because I think a lot of people struggle with this point, is that, again, there's the physiological symptoms of fast-beating heart, heart pounding, what we call palpitation, so boom, boom, like, it, like it's really hurting in my chest, like chest constriction, shortness of breath, smothering sensations, difficulty breathing, right, um, sweating, stomach distress, all of those, and actually what we call a derealization, where you're feeling like you're having this out-of-body experience. That's part of panic, too. Now, interestingly enough, if you ever had, like, bad news or you think somebody's saying, oh, you know, uh, you got to get here as soon as possible to the hospital, you probably are having the symptoms of panic and don't know it. That's the fear response, though, because that's an actual danger. But let me say one thing to get that real quick, Pastor Rob. So many people say that that happens out of the blue. That's not true. Mm. So if you're somebody who struggles with panic attacks, it might feel out of the blue, but I promise you, panic never happens out of the blue. You're just not yet aware of the subtle things that trigger it. Let me clarify that for somebody. That's good. That's because good. I hear that all the time. And when you learn that they don't happen out of the blue and you start taking note of that, that's the first start of eliminating them. Amen? So that's for somebody. No, um, man, that, that's good. No, that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and go to okay. the next one there. All right. So y'all got it. So harmless. Fear is harmless. Fear has three parts. Fear out of context is called panic or a panic attack. We call that a false alarm. Number four, um, just to give you some clarification, there's some, there are also anxiety disorders that have fear. And we would call those, like, for example, phobias. Basically, that's where we get the Greek phobos in the Word of God. That, that's where we get the word phobias, right? So a phobia, so a persistent fear of a situation of some sort, like elevators, or crowds, or getting a shot, or y'all name it. You can be phobic literally of anything. I could go on and on about that. Um, Social anxiety disorder, fear of speaking in front of people or public speaking. 
that has a fear component. Panic disorder obviously has a fear component because that's the fear of fear. Agoraphobia, being afraid of being in places where you might have a panic attack, right? So I associate places where there's a lot of people with panic. So therefore now I'm afraid not only of feeling panicky, but also of the situations where it could happen. Y'all see that? So I just want to clarify. So when you think about those things, those are what we call fear-based disorders, even though they're anxiety disorders. Um, and then the most important point, and I know Pastor Rob is, is ready for this one, is conquering fear requires confronting all three parts. Conquering fear includes confronting all three parts. Y'all shout it out to me. What are the three parts of fear again? Thoughts, physical sensations, and behaviors. Amen. So conquering that, again, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. If we're spirit, soul, and body, which is 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, and fear has three parts, like Pastor Rob said earlier, number one, we have to confront thoughts with the truth. That scripture that talks about taking every high thought captive, see, we as believers have a tendency to try to block thoughts out. That's not what that scripture's saying. Right. Right? Right. It's saying, oh, da 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 right? What happens if you try to block a thought out? It gets bigger, doesn't it, Pastor Rex? It gets bigger, it increases in frequency and intensity. You have to confront that. The Greek word for conquering or taking a thought captive is one taking with a spear. Think about that. It's like bringing the thought into captivity, but countering it with truth is what has to happen. Right? Fear is harmless, so speaking that, right? This is uncomfortable, but I can tolerate it. Speaking that, does that make sense? So confronting the thoughts, confronting the physical sensations, meaning the last thing I want to do if I'm feeling panicky is shoot an espresso. What do you think I get my clients to do then? They're hitting up Starbucks, hey man. The last thing I want to do is go on the interstate because I'm going to have a panic attack and wreck my car, which has never happened, by the way. So we get in the car shoot an espresso and drive, and what do you think happens, right? You're reprogramming your brain. So you got to confront the very sensations you're concerned about, amen? Not avoid them, because it makes it bigger when you avoid it, right? And number three, you got to eliminate avoidance. Avoidance of fear maintains it. Let me repeat that. Avoidance of fear maintains the fear. And I know that's a natural reaction when you feel uncomfortable. Okay, can we cue that real quick? So I got a graph to show y'all real quick. Almost forgot about it. But this is what happens when you avoid an emotion. So this graph on the, on the, the y-axis there, it says emotion. So the higher up, the stronger the emotional intensity. On the x-axis, time, the farther out, the more time has passed. Your distress goes up when you experience fear like that, right? When you avoid... What happens is you begin to associate that emotional intensity with avoiding. So the next time you feel that way, what do you have to do to feel better? Avoid. Show the next one, though. When in reality, this is what happens if you stay. Like, to use a football term, if you stay in the pocket, if you're a good quarterback, you might get hit in the ribs, but you just scored a touchdown, though. So in other words, if you ride it out and ride the wave, your body is built to go down on its own, but most people who struggle with fear never allow that to happen because they don't think they can tolerate it. Amen? So what I'm saying is you got to confront the avoidance and stay because your body will do the work, the work for you if you let it. That's powerful. Amen? 
So thoughts, physical sensations, and behavior. And something Pastor Rob and I have talked about all week is this idea that, you know, I tell people I do soul work. So when you're able to do that, many people who are blinded in the soulless realm by fear and anxiety, which we'll talk about in another message, once you're able to conquer that, then many believers are able to see, oh, wow, now I see what the Word of God is really saying. Now I see the revelation that the Holy Spirit had for me. Now I, so those blinders are off now, and wow. now they don't go back to that. Y'all see what I'm saying? So now they can receive and hear what the Word is saying to them clearly when they're not devastated by things like the spirit of fear. Amen? All right. So I think, you know, an important part of that, throw up 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You guys have that 4 and 5 because... He spoke to it, but I, I, want you to, I want you to look at it. I want you to, to read it, to hear it. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God or the knowledge of truth, right? We can substitute the word God for truth. So the knowledge of God, the knowledge of truth, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And, and what I've noticed, and you can speak to this as well, is that many times as believers, we come and say we're dealing with fear and we want to just get prayer. Can you pray with me? I'm afraid of this. You know, I'm dealing with fear in this area. And so we pray, right? And, and there can be a relief in that moment because when you pray supernatural peace can be released into your life to where there is a moment of relief. But if you walk out the doors and you don't apply the principles of the word of God in renew, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, Ephesians 4.23, um, if, if you don't apply that truth, then what happens is, is you just go back out and you repeat the process. And then you come back Two weeks, three weeks later, well, I'm still dealing with this fear. You know, can you pray it, quote, pray it off of me? Listen, the power of prayer is real, and it is, and, and, and it's true, but there's also the principles that when you understand and begin to get revelation of a who you are, spirit, soul, and body, how those parts function, right? And then we begin to renew our mind, Romans 12, 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world. Many people think about that as just being conformed to the, the ways of the world as far as, you know, sin and, and the different things we define as sin. But let me take it a step further. Don't be conformed to what happened in the garden. In other words, don't be conformed to the fall. Don't be conformed to what has taken place since sin entered into the world. It's not just our list that we have personally of the do's and don'ts. It is actually not being conformed to the way this whole world operates because as a believer, I've been set apart and I've been given the tools, amen, to be able to overcome, to, have, to conquer, and to live a different life and freedom in Christ. But it doesn't happen just because I come up and, and get prayed for or because I'm in church enough, it happens because I do the practical, and that is I'm confronting the lie, 
with the truth of the Word of God, right? And dealing with that on each level, you know, in my life. And so I think that that's so important, and I'll let you speak to that. No, amen. And I, I think one thing I'd say to that, Pastor Rob, is, and this is again for somebody out here too, is when I'm working with a believer or even a non-believer, I know the power of declaration, right? I make it very clear that I'm not big on labeling disorders. Somebody comes to see me and they have a disorder of some sort, I tell them very explicitly, I talk to you about your symptoms, not about a disorder, because the minute you own that, it's good. And say, because many people say this, you know, my anxiety, right? Right? My nerves are bad. That presumes, that's that spirit of fear. That means there's nothing I can do about it. Are y'all hearing me? You have to separate your identity from your symptoms. That's good. You have to separate your identity from your symptoms. Don't own that label. I'm not saying that there's not a reality to what you're experiencing. I see it literally every day. But I'm saying don't own that. Because the enemy will convince you by not being transformed, but being conformed, right? Mm -hmm. That that mindset of the world well, this is just how it has to be. My nerves are bad, and my mom had bad nerves, so therefore, that's just how it has to be. You're already defeated if you have that mentality. And I'm telling you right now that you can and will be reprogrammed. This ain't gimmicky. This is what the Word tells us, and this is the experience I see every single day. But you've got to know what you're up against, not confess those things, and speak truth over what's happening. Amen? So don't own those labels. That's for somebody today. And online too. Amen. <laughs> amen, amen. Well, did y'all, did that help anybody today? Man. It's amazing what happens when you shed light on the darkness and you expose things, right? So you say, well, what do I do? Well, you do what is, is, that you learned today. And you may have to go back and listen to it again and write it down and, and, and make sure, but you've got to begin to do that in your life. And the big factor, right, is dealing with the thoughts, right? And you will never be able to deal with the thoughts if your Bible stays closed. You know what I'm saying? If, if you don't invest yourself in the Word, it's, it's, it's like if... if it would be easy to say, well, hey, to manage this, let me, I'm going to write you a prescription, right? It'd be easy to do that and say, well, I'm going to give you some anxiety medication. I'm going to give you something. And, and if that was prescribed to you, what would you do? If it said, take it three times a day, what would you probably do? I'm going to take it three times a day. But yet if we say, open your Bible and prescribe to you that you need to know the truth, you need to take it just as serious as a natural prescription of medication in your life. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and his specialty, without going into it, but his specialty deals with these things without having to prescribe medication because we don't want to code it. And I'm not against medication, and neither are you. So please don't take that. I don't mean it. But it's also helping even if you have to have medication in the interim, but you still have to get to the truth of it because the fact is, is you can overcome it. Do you want to 
I just I'll let say you one close quick, out real quick. On that, yeah. All I'm going to say is, ironically, Pastor Rob appreciated this. Something he just said that's powerful is that he said, we're trying to expose it. Like something in the darkness, we're exposing it. Guess what? The, the specialty or the number one thing to get rid of fear and anxiety, guess what it's called? It's called exposure therapy. Mm. You're exposing good. yourself to the situations that trigger all that distress and taking it captive. It's called exposure. So. Amen. And the only thing I'd say about the medication part, I agree with you, Pastor Rob, is that ask anybody who takes medication for anxiety and fear and things like that. I've never met a person who didn't say they still struggle with it. They still struggle with it. The medication manages the symptoms, but it doesn't get rid of the problem. If you have a headache, you take an aspirin for it, but does it get rid of future headaches? No. You have to take it again, right? So I say that, that it serves a purpose, to Pastor Rob's point. But if you really want to eliminate these associations in your brain, you got to confront it. That's the only way to do it. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to just say this again as a disclaimer. I'm not telling you to go throw your medication in the trash and say, Pastor Rob or even Dr. Chapman said to do that. It's not what we're saying to do. We're saying that if that's what you're doing, then that's fine. But if you want to experience a different level of freedom, then take the next step as well, in addition to. Would that be? Okay. All right. So we got that? Amen, amen.